Thank you for tuning into this webinar, The Manager's Survival Guide to Coaching Employees with Poor Soft Skills. This webinar is hosted by AGH University, presented by AGH Employer Solutions. AGH Employer Solutions is a team of professionals that helps employers, business owners, and human resource professionals hire, compensate, manage, engage, train, and retain one of their most critical resources, their talent. Today's speaker is Daniel White. Daniel's an organizational development consultant for AGH Employer Solutions Organizational Development and Family Business Services Group. He works with clients on strategic and operational planning, leadership development, and employee engagement efforts. He has experience with a wide range of industries, including not-for-profits, healthcare, banking, construction, manufacturing, and government organizations. Every organization has them. Employees who excel at, their, at the technical aspects of their roles, but have difficulty working well with others. These employees can stress out coworkers and inhibit progress. However, there is hope. With the desire to change and the right coaching, employees can improve their soft skills and better contribute to their organizations. Today, Daniel will present the steps and specific resources supervisors can use during the coaching process, as well as what to do if problems arise. He'll also discuss soft skills issues that can be common to the millennial generation. Well, thanks, Mike, and thanks to all of you for joining me today in this webinar to really gain insight into improving soft skills in your employees. My name is Daniel White, and like Mike said, here at AGH, I primarily help clients with leadership development and strategic planning. And this webinar today is a follow-up to a previous webinar from last fall that I did entitled Six Steps to Improving Employee Soft Skills Along with Productivity and Profitability. In that previous webinar, I covered a lot of basic information like what soft skills are, why they're important, and how to recognize soft skills deficiencies in employees. Today, I'm going to briefly touch on some of those topics, but I would recommend watching the previous webinar if you haven't already. It's, an archive is available of all of our previous webinars at aghuniversity.com. So like Mike said, we're going to cover a lot of information today, but remember that the slides will be made available for you after the webinar. And throughout the presentation, there's going to be several polling questions that I'm going to be using to help you better interact with the material. As a result of today's webinar, you should be able to do a few things. First of all, to better understand what soft skills are and why they're important. Second, to identify the process that managers can use to help employees improve their soft skills including some very practical suggestions and resources to utilize. And that's where a lot of the bulk is going to be today of the time spent on those practical suggestions and resources. Third, um, understanding how to deal with common difficulties encountered in the process of this change. And then finally, get some insight into how to help millennials improve their soft skills specifically. So while the previous webinar helped to build a general framework for improvement of soft skills, this webinar is going to get into the specifics of implementation and give a lot of practical advice and resources to deal with many of the common soft skills deficiencies that I see today. So before we get into those practical suggestions, we first just have to cover a few key concepts to lay the groundwork and serve as a basis for the rest of the webinar. So first we need to define what are soft skills. Well, the term soft skills has been kind of a buzzword recently. And it kind of tends to be an umbrella term that many people can't fully define or don't really know what it is. So we need to nail down what we mean when we're talking about soft skills by looking at a few specific examples here. So 
So here on the screen, there's a few soft skills that are commonly referred to, such as communication, conflict resolution, and adaptability. But there's really quite a few others, a lot more than are just listed on the screen. And an exhaustive list would be really quite long, so many times these soft skills are kind of grouped into categories. One of these main categories is right there in the middle, the idea of emotional intelligence, which is kind of another buzzword that you might have heard recently. And it really got introduced into popular culture in 1995 through Dan, Daniel Goleman's best-selling book. And it really helps to outline some of the key soft skill competencies within the umbrella term of emotional intelligence. And there's several different definitions of emotional intelligence, but the Hay Group has developed a useful definition that I like that kind of divides it into four key areas, which are usually shown in four quadrants. The first quadrant being self-awareness, the second self-management, the third social awareness, and the fourth relationship management, which is kind of the culmination of all the three other areas. So as you can see, if you look at the bullets on the side there, many of the soft skills that we previously looked at are actually included within emotional intelligence. And one important note as we continue that even though IQ or intelligence is static, it doesn't really change throughout your life, emotional intelligence and soft skills can both be improved because they're based on behaviors or competencies and people can change their behaviors. So that's Probably why you're here today is to find out how we can help people to change those behaviors. So it should hopefully provide you some hope that those problem employees that you have aren't stuck, that they can change. Now, one note, it is important, it's true that some soft skills just come more naturally to some people than others, but everyone is able to improve their soft skills competencies to some degree. So just an aside there. So let's start here with our first poll question. What soft skill deficiency do you see most commonly? Would it be problem solving, emotional intelligence, decision making, communication, maybe something else? Neck and neck here between communication and emotional intelligence. And I would say that those are really two of the common ones that I see, communication there's always room for improvement in communication that I see and emotional intelligence. Um, there's a lot of need for improvement in that. And specifically, I would say self-awareness, which we'll get to later, is a big area that has um, some room for improvement in, in employees. So good um, input here. We will get to some of those and how to actually improve some of those specific things later here in the webinar. So let's move on here. Now that we have a basic understanding of what soft skills are, it's really important to understand why they're important. So when you think about problem employees, their poor performance is usually not tied to a lack of hard skills. When we see problem employees, it's usually because of their soft skills. So hard skills are things like knowing the proper process for filing a tax return or being able to drive a forklift or these technical skills. If an employee has a problem in these technical skills, it's usually pretty easy to fix because you can show the employee the proper technique or send them to a training to learn that. And so really I see these hard skills as just kind of being the ante for being an employee. 
in order to be in whatever position, whether it's a, a accountant or whatever, you have to know certain things. And without those certain technical skills, the employee really shouldn't be in that position. So like I said, when we see poor performance, it's usually because of a difficulty with those other types of skills, the soft skills. Um, it's been said that, you know, in today's work environment, that people are hired for their hard skills and they're fired for their soft skills. And I often see this as the case. If you have a problem employee that you have difficulty with, it's because of these soft skills. And so these soft skills need to be addressed in order to improve employee performance. So let me quickly go through a few statistics here to give you some tangible empirical evidence of the importance of soft skills to employee performance and to the company overall. One study of 500,000 people out of 33 different important workplace skills, soft skills, and more importantly, emotional intelligence was shown to be the single biggest predictor of performance in the workplace. Second, according to the Harvard Business Review, emotional intelligence and soft skills account for 90% of the difference between star performers and average ones in senior leadership positions, rather than their cognitive ability. So just being smart doesn't do it. Third, according to research by the Carnegie Institute of Technology, skills in human engineering, which incorporates an individual's personality, ability to communicate, negotiate, and lead, those skills account for 85% of financial success. And shockingly, only 15% of that success is due to their technical knowledge. And in case your employees need convincing, one study showed that those with soft skills made an average of $29,000 more per year than those who lacked soft skills. So that's really a pretty great incentive for soft skills improvement. So these are just a few quick pieces of pertinent data that show how vitally important soft skills are to the success of both businesses and individuals. So really, in today's marketplace, soft skills cannot be ignored, which is probably why you're here, this webinar, wanting to know how we can improve them. But when we think about soft skills improvement, we need to answer the question of, okay, who needs to improve their soft skills? Many times managers zero in on those problem employees who really have those glaring soft skills problems. And you probably all have a certain person that came to mind right away as I was describing some of those previous soft skills. And yes, it's true that that person probably could use some help in the area of soft skills. As the title of this webinar implies, those problem employees. But they aren't the only ones who could use help. Why not help your high potentials become even better? Or why not help your average performer become a great one? It's really easy to get distracted by the glaring problems of problem employees, but there could be even more to be gained by focusing on the bright spots of your organization. Much like the concept behind strengths finders, if you're familiar with that, trying to focus on improving strengths rather than trying to mitigate weaknesses. If We've got an average employee or a star employee. Why not try to really help them become even better than rather than just focusing all of our energy on trying to make our problem employees passable? So all three of those, I think, categories need soft skills improvement. 
And then we've got millennials who are often referred to as a subset of employees that is singled out for soft skills problems. And many of today's managers are supervising more and more millennials as they come into the workforce. So it's really important to understand how to help improve common soft skills that they might tend to struggle with. So because of this need, I'm going to pay specific attention to the needs of this generation throughout the, the presentation, just giving quick tips for dealing with millennials. So let's take a second poll here. When you think about the different types of employees that you maybe want to focus soft skills improvement on, what type of employees do you feel like uh, comes to the top of your list? Problem employees, average employees, star performers, millennials. Once again, neck and neck, we've got both problem employees, which is probably why you sought out a webinar on improving soft skills, but also a lot of people said, well, my average employees could probably use some help in just getting better. So both of those, like I said, are very important to focus on. A uh, very small number of you said millennials, so that's a little surprising to me, but um, you know, we'll still talk about that. Maybe some of your average or problem employees are millennials. So uh, we'll get into some more of those details, but we obviously will spend most of the time on the, those that uh, problem employees and average employees have. Okay, so now let's get into some more of the meat of this here. Let's get into the overview of what the process looks like for helping employees improve their soft skills. So first of all, it's important to note that improving soft skills is a process. It's different than technical learning because technical learning, somebody can just read a book or go to a one-day training and they can learn a new skill. But because we're dealing with changing behaviors here and not just learning new, new knowledge, it takes time. There really aren't as many quick fixes like many of the hard skills problems have. That's the first note to, to know. This process of soft skills improvement in, involves six basic steps here. First of all, willingness to change. And while this isn't a big step, it's really an important prerequisite because you can't force people to grow in their soft skills. They must be willing to begin the process of change themselves. So if this basic building block is not present, there really isn't much that can be learned through this process. So if this is the case for you, I'm going to talk more later about overcoming this, this problem. The second step is evaluation. And assessments can help to evaluate where an employee stands, what their areas of strength are, what their areas of need of improvement are, as well as to maybe describe the natural tendencies that an individual has. And we'll get into more about assessments later. Um, the third step is self-reflection. Once employees have learned more about themselves, it's necessary for them to reflect on what they have learned. Are they humble enough to realize that they aren't perfect? Can they understand their tendencies and see how they tend to interact with others and then learn from that? The fourth step then is goal setting. The employee needs to define a clear vision for the future change, which should involve choosing two to four tangible goals to work towards. These goals should be developed from the information that was learned through that feedback process before. And then those goals should be shared with others so that co coworkers can notice the changes and then hold that employee accountable. The fifth step is education. And so while learning soft skills is not simply just book learning, there really still has to be an aspect of education on best practices. 
And so I'm going to share more practical resources for that and for specific soft skills here in a little bit. The sixth step then is practice, because soft skills really don't do any good in a vacuum. They have to be put into practice in real life over a long period of time. And some failure might be inevitable, but growth will happen. And so after a few months, it's really great for employees to revisit their goals and maybe have coworkers give them feedback again to gauge process the progress that's been made since then. So this is a really quick overview of the general process for soft skills. If you really want to dig into more details about the process, I covered a lot more depth in the previous webinar at aghuniversity.com. So this is the very high-level overview of what that process might look like. And so now I want to get into some practical first steps to take in improving a handful of specific soft skills that are common problem areas. So we'll get into some specific things that you guys can do to help employees who are struggling with a specific soft skill. So first of all, work ethic is, is something that you may not think of as a soft skill right off the bat, but it's something that can definitely be learned. You think about those Saturday morning chores that you had to do when you were growing up, which were probably happening while the other kids in the neighborhood were playing outside. You were learning to show up on time, to be ready to work, to take the initiative to work, and to follow through. Those are all things that don't come naturally to people, but they're learned through experience. Many millennials are commonly said to lack work ethic, and sometimes they may not even see what the big deal is. They may say, well, as long as I get my work done, why does it matter when I come to work? Well, why does it matter? If they don't understand why it's a big deal, you can help them to understand. You must set expectations and make the employee aware of the importance of work ethic. you got to tell them that showing up on time is not just a personal preference of the boss, but it really has a big impact on an employee's reputation and whether or not others trust them. They have difficulty still understanding the importance. You could even get some feedback from their coworkers that helps them to see how others view them and maybe the lack of work ethic that they have. Another idea that's from Bruce Tolgan in his book, Bridging the Soft Skills Gap, which is a really great resource for coaching millennials, is to take uh, and keep a time log. So you could have that employee start to log their whole day, both at work and at home. And then separately, have them make a list of the top priorities in their life. And then have that employee look at their time log and then compare that with their stated priorities of, and then see you know, how they actually spend their time and if it's on the things that are priority in life or if there's some differences and they're probably going to be, see some differences and make some adjustments. You can also use this time log to help employees who have trouble arriving on time. If they have to be at work at 8, for instance, help them to work backwards in order to know what time they should be waking up in order to arrive on time. Seems really, really simple, but sometimes that's all an employee needs is to sit down and think through it and make a plan. It can also be helpful to teach an employee project for their everyday life. They can just have tools like taking notes or making checklists 
those things can really make a huge difference for somebody who doesn't have a process for organizing their life. So you can also have an employee think through timelines, action items that might be needed for a project coming up. Um, and in all of this, Stephen Covey's book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, is a really useful resource for all of this with his ideas of weekly planning and things like that. I'd also recommend visiting workethic.org for more resources and training specifically focused just on work ethic. Another common soft skill deficiency is kind of a lack of a positive attitude or it's the ability to convey a positive demeanor when needed. Now, we understand that everyone has a bad day from time to time, but that doesn't mean that you need to take it out on everyone else and make everyone else have a bad day too. Because we've all probably received poor service from a cashier who wanted to make sure that you knew that they were having a bad day or had to put up with the Debbie Downer of the office. And it's these type of people that have not mastered that ability to have a positive attitude. So if you have an employee who struggles with this, first of all, you need to define your expectations for them. You've got to help them to understand that you know, what you feel is on the inside is your own business, but what you project to others is kind of a different story. And in order to work here, a good attitude on the outside is required. Oh, and by the way, if you display a positive attitude on the outside, research shows it actually makes you feel better on the inside and changes your attitude too. Second, the employee could do some self-reflection. And once again, feedback from others is really helpful in this. You can explain to them, okay, here's some common types of bad attitudes. There's the porcupine who sends the message, get away from me. The entangler who wants to involve everyone else in their issues, or the debater who likes to argue, or the complainer who always points out the negative without a solution, or maybe the blamer who is a complainer who points the finger at an individual. Maybe the stink bomb thrower who makes sarcastic or demeaning remarks. So you can ask that employee, okay, which one of these are you? Okay, what can you do to maybe avoid behaving that way? And then help them to develop an action plan moving forward to have a better attitude. As part of that action plan, you can really help them to shape their environment too because their environment might be playing a big role in this. So help them to understand they need to try and play to their strengths. Help them to maintain a, work, a healthy work-life balance. You can try and shape the environment by putting them with people that they like and respect, or maybe in a location that they enjoy. And in all of that, making sure that they try to leave non-work issues at the door, and as much as you can, trying to shape their environment so that they have a better chance of having a positive attitude. All right, self-awareness, if you remember, is a key part of emotional intelligence, and it's really critical to individual success. So the, uh, there was a study recently, the Stanford Graduate School of Business asked their advisory council, 75 members, okay, what's the most important concept or ability that we should ha teach our Stanford MBA graduates? 
and every one of them came up with self-awareness as being the most important competency for leaders to develop just in general in business. So when we think about self-awareness, it's really the ability to understand and identify one's own strengths, weaknesses, their thoughts and their emotions, and then to be able to leverage them. So in a recent study of 500,000 people, only 36% could accurately describe their emotions that were happening at the time. So it's definitely an area that many people need help with, 64% of the population. So in order to improve, if you've got somebody that needs some help with self-awareness, first of all, an employee must first take the time for self-evaluation and reflection. And as Bruce Tolgan says, it's important to have regular, productive, honest self-evaluation against clear standards. And there's a lot packed in there, so I'll say it again. It's important to have regular, productive, honest self-evaluation against clear standards. You've got to be honest with yourself. You've got to be evaluating yourself and do it regular, regularly. And this can be done through journaling or other reflection activities such as goal setting or discussion with a manager maybe. Another great way to increase self-awareness is through the use of assessments. And those can help to give an employee an objective viewpoint of themselves. So you can start with self-assessments for self-evaluation, which are Things like personality assessments, like the MBTI or DISC, or maybe um, an emotional intelligence assessment. And those can be helpful to give an objective self-assessment. But it's also important to have input from others. And this could take the form of a performance evaluation from a manager, or maybe even better, some kind of 360-degree assessment that can be used to gather anonymous feedback from a number of sources, such as managers, peers, direct reports, and clients. So in all of this, using multiple assessments really helps employees to view themselves from multiple angles. Much like when you go to a tux or a dress shop, they have angled mirrors that allow you to see yourself from different viewpoints you might not normally see. These multiple assessments allow an employee to see things that they wouldn't normally notice because they're taken from a different viewpoint. Third, it's really important to measure. Like Tolgan said, self-evaluation against clear standards. So they've got to know, okay, how's the employee doing against their work goals? How are they doing against their own personal goals that they have? How are they doing compared to the rest of the company? Because employees need really an honest assessment of how they are doing. I often see poor performers in companies who believe that they are actually the company's most valuable employees because they have not been told and given an honest assessment of how they're doing. So they need help with self-awareness. We need to have honest views of who we are and how we're doing. Okay, so another important soft skill is that of personal responsibility, or really the ability to stay focused on what can be controlled. Many times I see this as a problem with lower-level and mid-level employees who kind of have this defeatist attitude. They kind of say that 
well, it doesn't really matter what I do because the higher-ups and corporate controls my fate. Well, it may be true to some degree, but we've got to figure out what to do to help employees in this area. And once again, Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is a really beneficial resource for helping them to understand the concept of what's in their circle of influence as opposed to what's in their circle of concern. What are things that I'm concerned about but I don't have any control over versus what are the things that I actually can control and trying to get them to focus on those. There's also a, a beneficial exercise that you can do with your employees. First of all, have them brainstorm all the factors that kind of get in the way of their ability to do their job at the highest level. Then look at each of those factors and have them ask themselves, okay, is this factor within my control or is it outside of my control? And kind of score each of those in each of the categories. And then finally, look at each of the factors and think about, okay, in the past, how has this got in the way? What could I have maybe done in the past differently? Okay, and then think about the future. How might this factor get in the way in the future? What are maybe some options that I have to change that outcome or do things within my own control? So the next one that we have already talked about, communication being a very important soft skill, and it's really kind of a fairly broad soft skill, um, kind of tied to people skills, but it really has to do with using the right words, tone, and expressions to communicate, not just words. It's all-encompassing here. And it also includes knowing the right medium to use. For example, when should I call and when should I send an email? And also how to commun communicate via that specific medium. When we think about millennials here, millennials often tend to want to text somebody or email somebody rather than call or talk to them in person. And we all know that there's some things that just are not correctly communicated via a text or email, like maybe a resignation, which I've <laughs> heard many stories of. So this is really an important soft skill for them to learn, what things need to be communicated via what medium. So it can be helpful to, Im to improve communication. It can be helpful for them to kind of self-assess, once again, to understand their strengths and weaknesses. And feedback from others is helpful, too, if you want to utilize that. But you can just use a simple self-assessment rating exercise. So have them list out communication best practices, such as don't interrupt, listen twice as much as you talk, or use the correct medium, things like that. And then have them give themselves a grade for each of those best practices. And then for the things that they don't rate so well, you can create an action plan for improving that type of communication or improving their problem areas. Another big part of good communication is preparation. So it can be beneficial to help an employee think through and understand how they should prepare for big communication. So if they've got a big meeting coming up, ask them, okay, what do you need to do to prepare for that big meeting? Talk through that. Or who do you need to be talking to in general about what? 
what medium should you be using to help them in that communication. And it's also important to schedule important communication. So for instance, if you are a manager and you want to check in with your direct reports once a week or once a month, instead of just leaving that up to happenstance, put it on your schedule and make time for that to make sure that it happens. That's all important for preparation. Sometimes, though, employees just need, they may not be comfortable with interacting with others, so they just need kind of to practice and to gain some more confidence. So you can help them by, you know, having them present to a small group internally. You could take them with you to a networking event and help them learn how to network. You could encourage them to practice their communication skills in just other ways that you think about and help them to become more comfortable in that because practice makes perfect and just gaining confidence is important. Okay, now let's take a little break here from talking and I want you to try a quick exercise right where you're at. So even if you're at a desk by yourself, you should be able to do this without others noticing, but I want you to go ahead and just cross your arms, fold your arms. Okay, so I can't see you, but I'm gonna assume that you've all crossed your arms. Now go ahead and fold your arms the other way with the other arm on top. Okay, so how did that work out for you? If you want, you can type in the chat box, but really when I've done this, it's not as easy as it sounds. You think, oh, I, that's easy, but most people have a difficult time figuring out how they should fold their arms the opposite way or which one was on top at first, and all of those things are difficult because you just naturally fold your arms one way without thinking about it. This is really much like change. We get used to doing something one way and it can be frustrating or awkward to try something a new way. Some of the responses, it kind of felt different, awkward, really weird. You had to think about it. That's what I find when you try something new that you're used to doing. It's really different, awkward, and weird. So this skill of adaptability is a soft skill that comes naturally to some of being able to easily change and go with the flow, and it's really difficult for other people, especially for those who are, like the familiar and they like the consistency of knowing what to expect each day. But when we think about today's marketplace, this is a really important skill because the world is constantly changing. Things are changing very quickly and businesses and employees need to be able to keep up with that change. So if you've got an employee that has difficulty with adaptability, there's a few things that you can try. First of all, just try something new. Encourage an employee to try something new that they may not normally do. Maybe just going to an unfamiliar restaurant to try ethnic food or something. And you can explain to them, you know, that they need to be adaptable in this changing world and <clears throat> start to help them take steps to becoming more comfortable with change. Second, you could give an employee a process that's very familiar to them and ask them to innovate that process, to find a better way to do it or to improve the process. <clears throat> like if they... Um, do accounts receivable and they've got a process for that or something, 
ask them to take a step back, think about it, and think about ways that they could improve it. If they have trouble with that, you know, ask them the question, okay, if somebody came in tomorrow and took over your job because you're out sick, what things might they do to improve the process? Have them think about it from another perspective. A third option, and this one is kind of risky, but you can actually create a changing environment for your employee with obviously their permission, of course. If somebody says, I really want to get better at being adaptable, and you say, okay, well, we can try this, and you agree up front that you're going to help them become more adaptable by creating a changing environment. You could change project details or other demands kind of unexpectedly. You could start with small things and then grow, and once again, you've got to agree upon that process up front so that they know what the reason is behind it. But if they really want to focus on becoming more adaptable, you can create that changing environment specifically for them. Otherwise, if, if you don't clear it up front, they could become very frustrated, and that's not a great way to go about it. All right, so conflict resolution then is another skill here that is often misunderstood because it's not just the ability to deal with conflict, but it's also the ability to have conflict when it's necessary. There's kind of a continuum here because there might be an employee who is very conflict averse and they're never willing to de deal with a difficult issue even when it's needed. They always shy away from that and that's not good. But on the other end of the spectrum, there might be an employee who is actually too willing to engage in conflict, and they're always picking fights, and they might need to learn to back off a little bit and not engage in conflict as much. So in order to help employees with this soft skill, they first have to understand what their tendency is for conflict. And once again, they can utilize a personality assessment like the MBTI or DISC, to better understand what their tendency is when conflict happens. Do they tend to avoid it? Do they tend to uh, shy or to do it too often? And so then once an employee knows what they will tend to do, you can help them to develop an action plan to bring their conflict style more in line with what is necessary for their job. Because different jobs require different types of conflict. Um, that's one step. Another one is to read this book called Fierce Conversations by Susan Scott. It's really a good resource for giving people a process for having those difficult conversations. It's especially good for those who are conflict averse and it helps them to understand that conflict isn't bad. Sometimes there's productive and necessary conflict and it gives them steps and tools to use to have those when it's necessary. All right, proactive learning is also an important skill because your mind is a muscle. So really, if you're not actively learning, then your mind is getting weaker, just like any muscle that you have. So it's important to have that desire to learn, but also important to be able to question your own assumptions, to suspend judgment, and to learn from others, to know that you're not you, you have not arrived. You are not the be-all, end-all of everything. So in order to improve proactive learning, you need to first define the expectations that you have of that employee. 
once again, you got to help them understand their they will never never arrive. They never will have known everything. There's always going to be more to learn. And especially important for millennials to hear is that not everything is available to look up on your phone or on Google. There's some things that you need to learn through experience and other things that you can't use your phone or Google as a crutch for everything. But in general, you just need to cultivate a culture of learning at your company and set those expectations forward. Second, um, you can work with your employee to develop specific learning goals for them. Think about, okay, what topics or skills do they need to learn? What's the best method to learn those things? You can set goals and start slow for them because if they haven't read a book in five years, Maybe you need to start with some articles to read because just like in real life, you don't start out on the heavyweights, you work your way up to them. We shouldn't expect people to start out with the heavyweights if, if they're not ready for them yet. Third, for those who have difficulty being open to another perspective, you could encourage them to learn about another point of view that's different from their own. For instance, read a book about it, or develop a relationship with someone who believes differently. You can also have them do this simple exercise. Just have them write out five things that they are very sure about. Then ask them, okay, what is maybe another belief that someone else holds about that topic? Then ask them, okay, why might someone believe that? Have them list several reasons for that not necessarily trying, you're not trying to get them to change their mind. I mean, they can still believe what they believe very strongly, but having them open their minds to understanding and kind of getting at it from someone else's point of view of why might someone else hold some another belief that I don't. Another soft skill here is respect for context, and it's one you might not heard of too much, but it's one that many millennials tend to maybe lack. They just don't understand or they don't adapt to the existing structure or don't even understand why they should adapt to the existing structure. That's really the ability to adapt to others and not expect others to flex to meet your own needs. So if you have an employee who needs help in this area, First of all, you got to help to define the expectations for them. As your manager, you can say, I'm not claiming to be superior to you, but in this job, there's a clear chain of command and a set way of doing things. And if you want to belong here, you need to understand and accept and adapt to your place in this structure as it is currently. That's just kind of how life is. Most situations are determined primarily by factors that you really have no control over. So like where you're born, all of those things, you don't have control over them and you have to learn to adapt to where you are in life. Sometimes people just don't understand the rules that are around them. And so if that's the case, you can have them just write out and describe, okay, what are the rules? What are the customs? What's the structure of this workplace? What are the unwritten rules that are here? What are things that you don't know or don't understand? Just so that they understand 
what kind of structure that they are in. And then you can have them describe, okay, how do you see yourself fitting into the current customs and structure? What's your role to play? How could you maybe adapt to better fit in and make an action plan to do that? And lastly here, teamwork incorporates many aspects of the other soft skills, but it's an important skill in and of itself. And especially in the U.S. where individual success is celebrated, it's important for companies to emphasize the role of the team. So in order for an employee to become a better team player, you first must define the expectations that you have of that employee. It's important to note that individual performance is not all that matters. Employees need to see how they fit into the overall mission rather than just trying to make themselves shine because the success of the whole is greater than an employee's own personal efforts. Second, the employee must understand their role in relation to the overall mission of that company. So you could review the company's overall mission statement and then ask that employee to describe how they fit into that mission. So you could even go task by task on their job description and ask them to describe how that specific task fits into the function of the whole company so that they better understand how they fit overall. And as a manager, it's really important for you to look at the structure of your company. If you're able to change the structure, you need to think about, okay, are there incentives that cause people not to want to work together? Many times I see that the way sales goals are set up or the way that bonuses or compensation is calculated actually goes against teamwork because you know if you have uh, compensation that's tied only to individual performance or only a department's performance then sometimes that can be a detriment to the company as a whole or to the team because people are only focusing on what's going to get them the most money which may or may not help the company as a whole. I'd recommend reading Aubrey Daniels' book, Bringing Out the Best in People, for more information on how to get the behavior that you want out of employees. Okay, so there were kind of the top 10 um, soft skills to go through, and now it's the time for another poll here. When you think about improving soft skills in your employees, maybe which specific soft skill do you want to try focus on improving? Maybe self-awareness, communication, work ethic, conflict resolution. Maybe another one that we just went over or that we did not go over. Okay, so it looks primarily like self-awareness and communication are some of the biggest uh, soft skills that people need to focus on here. So once again, those are carried over from the needs that you saw previously and Self-awareness and communication are both really huge soft skills that impact a lot of other areas. And so those, I think, are great ones to be working on with your employees. Okay, so now that we've got some basic resources for common soft skill problems, let's talk through some potential outcomes of the change process and how we might deal with some outcomes of that. So first of all, what happens if you've got an, an employee who's just unaware of their need to change? Maybe they don't need know that they need to change at all, or maybe they're just unaware of specific areas that they need to change. If this is the case, you can first help to create a desire for improvement in them. Help them to understand that no one has arrived yet, 
and really everyone, including myself, have things that they can work on. So give them a vision for where they could go as they progress in their career, and hopefully that'll make them excited to start that personal change process. Then it's always beneficial to get feedback from others so that the employee can begin to see what their coworkers see as their strengths and weaknesses. And after these, hopefully the employee will be more aware of the areas that they need to change, but being aware is only one piece of the puzzle. Sometimes managers have to deal with employees who are just unwilling to change. And this can be a problem because if someone isn't willing to change, they won't be able to start on this process of improvement. So managers in this situation generally have three options. The first option is one that many managers choose, and they just choose to manage around that problem employee and find a way to deal with their problems. It's not really a great solution, but it happens all the time. Managers just deal with them because they think it would be too difficult or disruptive to actually make a change. These problem employees that managers manage around are often what we call talented terrors, who are maybe employees who are just too talented in one area to let go, but they cause all sorts of problems in other areas. However, we've found that most of the time, the talent that they bring in that one area really isn't worth the difficulty that they bring in every other area. Second, if an employee is unwilling to change, managers can sometimes help them to understand that urgency to, to change. For many people, it's kind of necessary for them to kind of hit a wall before they realize that they need to change. They need to come to a point where they have no other options to turn to. So managers can help these employees realize that urgency by helping them to understand the gravity of the situation that they're in. And feedback is really key, once again, in all of this. The employee needs to know from management how important improvement is. For instance, if they've been promoted despite their anger issue, they need to know that that issue is going to be a problem moving forward, that management won't turn a blind eye to it anymore. And they also need to know how they're kind of viewed by others. Many times these employees will not think that their issue is a big deal, so they need to kind of understand how others view them and see their issue, and hopefully all of this will help that employee to realize just how important change is and they'll be open to improvement. But sometimes employees still aren't willing to change. And if management has communicated the importance of changing, others know how they view them, and they still don't care enough to change, then it's probably best to let them go. Because you could continue to manage around them, but does it really benefit your organization to have someone like that around? What kind of message does it send to everyone else? Well, sometimes employees receive feedback and are willing to change, but they gloss over the important areas, maybe discount that feedback, and they want to work on other lesser areas. I've seen this many times where a problem employee has an obvious problem to everyone else, but they discount the feedback that they receive in that area and instead want to focus on changing something else. So if you have an employee like this, there's maybe two options. Okay, so maybe they didn't choose the area that you think that they should work on, but if they chose something that they're excited about, then maybe it can't be all bad. If it makes sense, you can choose to capitalize on their excitement, their willingness to change, because sometimes it's just important to build momentum and confidence 
showing that that person really is willing to change and able to make changes. And then next time, you can tackle the larger issue, but this time with some positive momentum going. However, sometimes it's necessary to have that difficult conversation and not let the employee discount the feedback that was received. You gotta make them confront the brutal facts and figure out what to do about it. This is usually the best option if there's a glaringly obvious ob area that everyone knows, because if that area is not dealt with, then everyone will discount kind of the validity of the change process, because you know, they may say, well, see, everyone told Steve that he really smells, but he totally ignored us. Why should we even bother giving him feedback and they'll just discount everything? Well, so what if you have an employee who's just sensitive to conflict? Maybe they can't receive negative conflict, negative feedback without blowing up. Maybe they cry at the drop of a hat. What do you do? First of all, make sure that they're committed to the change process and explain that in order for improvement to happen, there needs to be honest communication and feedback about what others see. Many employees may be nervous about receiving feedback because they think that others will be mean or they aren't sure what will come out. So you just have to reassure them and help them through the process that you'll help them and there's no need to worry. You've also got to make sure that they that you understand where they're coming from and try to understand why they might tend to react sensitively. And then you can try to shape that feedback in a way that they will be better able to hear it. If you know a comment is going to trigger them, then you can save that until the end or give it to them in a different session. But you don't want to withhold information from them. You just want to try and present it in a way that they're best going to be able to hear it. So sometimes managers have employees who set goals but just don't follow through with them. This happens quite often because people just get caught up in the day-to-day -day and don't make time to follow through. So what can you do? Once again, reaffirm the commitment to the change process and then help them with an accountability structure. Could be an accountability buddy, could be more frequent one-on-ones, it could be a plan for disciplined self-accountability. And then you can do a follow-up round of feedback several months after to kind of gauge the process that's been, the progress that's been made. Sometimes an employee will quit the process because of frustration with lack of change because it hasn't happened as quickly as they would like. If that's the case, explain to them that the change is a long process that doesn't happen overnight and then help them to recognize the progress that has been made, even if it's small. Then set up a plan to track their progress so that they can see tangibly what's, uh, what the progress they've been made, even if it's small steps. Lastly, an employee may actually change and improve, but others won't believe it because their perceptions remain the same. For example, if Steve has always had a temper, people will continue to view him that way and any slip-up will reinforce their previous view. In order to deal with these perceptions, You've got to communicate up front with what the goals are. And an overview of this is found in Marshall Goldsmith's book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. It's a really good resource for that. You've also got to measure their progress so they can have an objective standard of progress made. OK, so we're coming to the end here. Just got a couple minutes left. So hopefully these scenarios have helped to um, prepare you for some potential scenarios. As we come to the end here, some of the key points 
First, soft skills are extremely important to both individual and company performance. Second, improving soft skills is a process of personal change that takes time. And lastly, there really are a lot of good resources out there to help you. Hopefully, some of the ones I shared today are helpful. For future reference, here's a list of the books that I mentioned today, as well as some links here for a fun quiz that we developed about if you have soft skills, as well as a link to my previous webinar. So coming out of this webinar, there's a few potential next steps you might want to take. You might want to find employees with soft skills problems. You might want to utilize some assessments. You might want to utilize some resources from today. Or you might want to get some outside help. So let's take a final poll here of what are maybe some next steps that you need to take. Maybe you need to identify those employees who need help with soft skills. Maybe you need to give employees feedback through assessment. Maybe you need to focus on a specific employee soft skill problem. Or maybe you need to get some outside help. Looks like the majority of people, there's kind of a three-way tie here for the th first three answers. Um, it's always good to think about, okay, what's the next step coming out of this going to be? So whatever you've identified, go ahead and run with that coming out of this webinar. So to conclude, I'd just like to share a simple story of somebody that's gone through this process of improving their soft skills. I began coaching process with this hardworking mid-level manager who was an introvert and didn't really have any glaring problems, but through the feedback process, direct reports commented that they didn't really interact with him much beyond the specifics of projects, and they'd really like him to be more personable. So as a result, we set some goals and developed an action plan where he committed to spending more time getting to know his work, his coworkers and direct reports, rather than just talking business all the time. We communicated those goals to his coworkers, and he set out to put them into practice. Over the next few months, everyone from his direct reports to senior managers commented about his change in demeanor, and he has become a noticeably better manager because of it. So that's just one example. There's a wide variety of ways that soft skills can manifest them, themselves, and um, hopefully this process can help you to improve soft skills and, in the end, your company's performance. So thanks for attending today's webinar and learning how you can improve your employees' soft skills. As always, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, and I'll stick around here for a few minutes to answer specific questions. Thanks again. So, um, Daniel, are there special, special suggestions when dealing with an international employee with a language communication issue? Okay, dealing with an international employee, especially if you've got a language barrier, can be difficult. Um, one book that I would suggest reading, there's a good one called Flex, and it talks a lot about how to deal with employees who are maybe of a different culture than you, or it also talks about generating differences, all sorts of just managing differences in general, but giving specific attention to that cross-cultural understanding. And really, this the social awareness aspect of emotional intelligence is really important there of understanding where that other party is coming from and understanding that it's a different culture than what you're used to and there may be things that you don't understand or don't know about that. So really asking questions and trying to get in the head of that other person and understanding where they're coming from. Um, 
and then especially if you're dealing with a different language, that adds a whole other level of complexity. So really the understanding where they're coming from and not letting that language barrier getting, get in the way is, is an important, important thing. Um, Excellent. Oh, go ahead. There was a, there was another question that came in earlier about are there def the definitions of a stink bomb like person, etc. Those available. Um, those definitions came from that book uh, by Bruce Tolgan, the bridging the soft skills gap. So I had I did not make those up, but uh, he has those and goes into a little bit more depth of what those look like if if you want. To explore that further. And it looks like we had just one more question come in here. Are there specific suggestions on ways we can help ease the anxiety related to the political year and changes everyone is dealing with it? It seems coworkers and clients need a morale boost with all the fear mongering that's being thrown from the media. I'll let you tackle that one if you would like. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, I think the political climate right now uh, there is a lot of fear being thrown around and I think a big part to not getting sucked into that fear is to once again understanding where other people are coming from. Back to that proactive learning of okay uh, everyone has a different viewpoint on this topic or whatever um, but no matter we can hold different viewpoints on a topic but we can't characterize the other side. We need to be okay with holding different viewpoints, but try to understand where that other person is coming from. And even if you disagree on their presuppositions or their conclusion that they've come to, at least you've made the attempt to understand them as a person and where they're coming from and why they might believe that sort of thing, rather than just characterizing the opposite side and not thinking of them as a person, regardless of what side that you're on. So I'd say try to really get into understanding the other side and not characterizing people, which 